Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water. Each week on our podcast, we look at a passage of scripture and ask ourselves two very important questions. What does it mean and what does it call us to do? In today's episode, What Credit Is That To You?, we're exploring the topic of loving our enemies as taught to us by Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38, and what living this way might look like today. Let's get started. So today's text continues from Jesus' message from the level place we talked about in the previous episode. Jesus mentioned how things we traditionally might call blessings can in fact be woes and vice versa. And by this point, I'm sure the listeners were quite perplexed at the premise of his message. I mean, what? Blessed are the poor, hungry, mournful, and despised? And woe to those who are rich, well-fed, happy, and admired? But as we continue examining Luke chapter 6, we find that this backwards, upside-down, opposite logic of blessings and woes is basically the setup for what he says next, which might be the hardest backwards philosophy of all to embrace. Jesus says right off the bat in verses 27 through 28 of today's text, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Now, this concept of loving our enemies, it's not super new to us, right? Because we've been told this so many times that we're almost numb to it. But back when Jesus first spoke those words, it was a revolutionary and even nonsensical concept. Why or how would this work? So do a little imagination exercise with me. Think of that one person whom you might describe as your enemy. I mean, ideally, there shouldn't be such a person in your life, but you know, we're all flawed human beings, right? So who is that one person with whom you could never make peace because you always argue or you can't stand to be in each other's presence or you just can't seem to get along no matter how hard you try? Now, if no such person comes to mind, then seriously, you're doing something right. So good on you. But I feel like many of us can identify at least one person who can loosely fit into that category. Okay, now, as you think of that person, apply the words of Jesus onto that person. Love them. Do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Now, are these impulses that come naturally? No way, right? You probably couldn't even be forced or bribed into doing these things for that person that you have in your mind. And, you know, there's probably a good reason for that on your end. However, no matter who your enemy is, Jesus is calling us to love them. How? Verses 29 through 30 tell us, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Now, upon a first glance, 
this sounds an awful lot like Jesus is telling us to be doormats to people who take advantage of us. So just to be clear, loving your enemy doesn't mean that you need to rekindle a relationship with a toxic person or allow an abuser to continue hurting you. And if this describes your situation, you can always find help and support. So please reach out. But what Jesus is talking about here is for us to give up the need for personal vengeance. Yeah, there are people in our lives who may have insulted us, cheated us, cheated on us, and otherwise belittled our existence. And the instinct in the moment is to retaliate and exact revenge on them. But Jesus is saying, it's not worth it. And it doesn't make sense. But if you really think about it, it makes total sense. In books or in movies, when someone evil gets their comeuppance, it kind of makes us giddy, right? Like, ooh, she had that coming, we say. And we use language like karma or just desserts. And we romanticize this idea of exacting sweet revenge on that villain in the story. I still remember people in the theater literally applauding when Harry finally defeated Voldemort. But in reality, retaliation and revenge only escalates the problem. We get sucked into playing this back and forth game of who can make the other more miserable, and it consumes us to unhealthy levels. And if we don't keep that in check, it will be the thing that destroys us. So instead of trying to get back at the person who humiliated you or upset you, what should you do instead? Verse 31 says, short and sweet, do to others as you would have them do to you. Oh, and you've definitely heard of this before, right? It's often referred to as the golden rule. But sometimes this golden rule gets twisted into being used as a justification for revenge. It says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Well, this guy did this to me, so I guess it's only fair that I do this back. But that is not the right application at all. Because Jesus doesn't say, do to others as they do to you. It says, as you would have them do to you. So what is it that you would want someone to do for you if the roles were reversed? Now, Jesus wants his friends and followers to be different, to stand out from the norm, to not do the painfully obvious things, because we can do those things even without Jesus. For example, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 34, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Now, I love that phrase, what credit is that to you? Loving someone who loves you back or being good to someone who's good to you, giving to people who are good for the money, these are not praiseworthy things. 
These are not actions to brag about. Why? Because these are common sense things that anyone can do easily. And you know, when Jesus says even sinners do that, he's not talking about, oh, those other people who are not believers. He's talking about us. We are the sinners who are capable of repaying good even before we knew Jesus. But if we are to graduate from sinner status and become friends and disciples of Jesus, he's challenging us to do something that does require some work on our part, something that does require God's help. And that is, don't just love the people who love you back. Love those who don't really like you so much. Treat someone who is surly and standoffish with kindness because they're the ones who need to be shown what real love is. And don't just give to people who you know are going to pay you back for sure. Give to those you know can't pay you back because they're the ones who really need your help. Now, Jesus challenges us to do these things because he wants us to love and give regardless of what the other person does or can do. True lovers of God don't do anything to get something in return. No matter how we're received, we continue to shine that light of God's love and trust God to take care of the rest. And if we live this way, You might think it makes us weak, but in fact, it puts us in a place of power. Now, we see this power dynamic play out all the time, whether it's with a playground bully or a toxic narcissist. Why do these people keep coming after you? Because you react and they enjoy watching you react. It gives them power watching you squirm and seethe with rage. But What if, what if you were to choose not to react? Then the balance of power shifts in your favor. You are effectively showing them that they have no power over you. Essentially, you win by not winning. Like I said, it's backwards, upside down, opposite logic. But Jesus knows what he's talking about. So. Instead of letting the enemies in our lives control us by making us dream of getting back at them one day, what should we do? Now, verses 36 through 38 tell us, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Show mercy. That's the ultimate power play right there. Because only the one who has the upper hand can show mercy, right? Don't judge. Don't condemn, but rather give and forgive. Realize that these enemies of yours are in fact also humans who make mistakes just as readily as we do. 
One of my favorite quotes of Abraham Lincoln is when he was asked why he didn't simply destroy his enemies instead of showing them leniency, he responded, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And I'm pretty sure this is a concept he stole straight from Jesus because didn't Jesus do this very thing? He chose to destroy his enemies by making them his friends. Even as he hung on a cross, he prayed over the very crowd who put him there saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even as he withstood immense physical and emotional and spiritual pain with his dying breath, he chose to bless those who cursed him. The people might have wished him dead, but he chose to die so that their sins, our sins, might be forgiven. So knowing the things Jesus taught and lived out himself, what are some things we're called to do? The first thing I want to do is to think of all the people I have grudges against. And you can do this with me. Seriously, grab a notepad or pull up the notes app on your phone and make a list of people you have grievances with. And make the conscious choice to let go of them all. Not the people, I mean the grievances. Reach out and make amends with the people you have wronged and decide in your heart to forgive the ones who have wronged you. Don't let these things fester anymore because honestly, you can fill your days with far more productive thoughts. Choose to love instead of hate. Choose to understand their point of view instead of insisting on being the one in the right. Make the harder choice of loving someone who's not exactly lovable because if we just do what's easy and predictable, as Jesus says, what credit is that to you? And the other thing I think we should all keep in mind is that no one on earth is our real enemy. Let's identify the real enemy that we should be raging war against. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 reminds us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil is alive and kicking and has done a thorough job of making us believe that we are each other's enemies. And there's division everywhere, in politics, in sports, even in the church. So let's not further his agenda by doing his work for him. Let's sow love, forgiveness, and compassion where the real enemy tries to sow discord and animosity. We can destroy that enemy by making friends out of our so-called enemies the way Jesus teaches us and has done for us. And I'll leave you with what the apostle says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I hope you're able to let go of whatever bitterness, anger, and hatred you have towards someone else so that God's love can be made complete in you. Let's pray. God, thank you for teaching us and showing us how to love. We sometimes convince ourselves that we are loving and hospitable people when in reality we tend to embrace and be kind to only those who do the same for us. And what credit is that to us? Help us to do as you did for us and extend our love toward those who don't always reciprocate or even appreciate us. Remind us that love is not a bargaining chip and that Love should be offered generously and freely, just as the ultimate sacrifice of love you have given for us. Lead us to make friends instead of enemies, if only to destroy the real enemy who truly is out to get us. And you've already won that battle, so may we stand alongside you with your love as our weapon of choice. In Jesus' name, amen.